Folks, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about video games. I am your co-host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michael Jones. Greetings, gamer. I see you. Greetings, Ethan Winters. I see you. It's me. I'm Ethan. Yeah, and also, greetings, gamers. I see you, too. Ethan is a gamer, a gamer dad, truly the most powerful among us. Such a good dad. Mike, I'm very excited to talk about this game with you. I am incredibly excited to talk about Resident Evil Village, uh... And I, I think that, you know, it, it, it's a very big game this year. Um, it feels, yeah, this is our most topical one yet, I think. Yeah, and it feels like a, a lot, like a much larger event than uh, some of the most recent Resident Evil releases. So I am pretty pumped. Uh, you ready to jump in? Uh, not quite, friendo, because I got a few Ooh. things I need to take care of first. Uh, before we get talking about Resident Evil, it's once again time for our favorite segment. Apology time. Let's cue the music. Mike, I gotta make an apology. Uh, I've goofed goofed twice now. Two separate times on two episodes of this very show, when discussing the excellent game Disco Elysium, I have referred to the city as Revishal. The city is named Martinez. The country is named (laughs) Revishal. At least I think that's the case so uh, i just need to uh say i'm sorry that is so unprofessional of me and this will not happen again unless i'm also wrong right now in which case i will apologize again we're gonna come back next week with another apology time segment and uh it's gonna be the same thing again isn't it? it's going to be the semantics of is it the city is it the country is it is it is it the district (laughs) <laughs> well, and you know, hey, that might be the case, Michael, but I will always step up to the plate because that's what professionals do. A true apology cop. I, to my core. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything you need to apologize for? Um, yeah, I just want to apologize uh, to, like, really to everybody in the village. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Sorry I, this happened to you? <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know... I just kind of showed up and I was an unstoppable force. You know, what am I to do? So that's how the cards, you know, landed. That's what the, the scripts had written. Uh, there we be. So apology, villagers. Okay. Well, on that note, enough apologizing. Cut the music. That's not <laughs> us anymore. <laughs> uh, before we start talking about the game, um, I don't know. I, I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show. But maybe we should just mention uh, we're both Resident Evil fans. You, uh, a lifelong Resident Evil fan. Yes, I, I started playing Resident Evil at a very young age. Um, I think I my very first Resident Evil game, uh, it was it was either Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, which was released for the PlayStation in 1999, or Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which I played on the PS2. Uh, but uh, beyond those two games, which are very close to my heart, uh, I, I also hold very closely the very original Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2. And uh, I have played through those four games so many times, but um, the Resident Evil 2 remake that came out in 2019 really revitalized that that love for the franchise. Uh, and uh, I have gone back and played all of those games again several times over, even since 2019. Right. And they're still just incredibly fun and uh i like childhood memories playing them are enjoyable and they're still enjoyable to play today so uh phenomenal games to still be as fun as they were 20 years ago today 
Yeah, and you you got pretty into the speedrunning side of it as well. Yeah, I I, I did uh, find it like it, it was it was the 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 speed requirements in Resident Evil Two Remake. I was like initially I was really kind of against the idea that oh I got to beat the game in under you know this time to unlock this thing. Like oh this sounds like it's going to be impossible. It was incredibly possible. It was it was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be, and now. I think my my fastest time in uh, the remakes of these games isn't necessarily record, like anywhere near record, uh, but um, just beating um, like Resident Evil 2 remake, and I think my best time is like an hour and 45 minutes, um, it opened me up to uh, not speed running, like I've seen like Quake done quick, and those incredibly fast Twitch reflex speed runs uh, for... For games like Quake or Doom, I always thought that for me that would be impossible. Uh, but then I found people also speedrun Resident Evil, people speedrun Silent Hill, and a lot of the horror games and games in general that I enjoyed as a kid. And people speedrun Final Fantasy VII, which I thought was like, wow, that's probably like fifteen hours at least, right? No, I think <laughs> world record is somewhere around four. I I don't remember exactly. Um, but I used to think it was all, you know, glitches and twitch reflexes, but no, there's, there's a lot more depending on the game that you choose to run and chances are whatever game you do choose, there's somebody out there that also runs it. And there's like a friendly competition, um, which I find really enjoyable and fun to just keep games alive. You know, after you played a game once and you just want to move on to the next thing, Sometimes you might want to come back to it and find that, uh, you know, someone's, you know, urging you to move a little faster and see what you can do, how quickly you can beat it. Yeah, I heard some people even um, speedrun Resident Evil while they're recording a podcast about other video games. I did did that once. Yeah. Oh, oh, was that you? Okay. Yeah. I I, um, (laughs) I, I forget which episode it was, but after recording, uh, I I was just like... I, I usually when we're sitting here, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not doing anything with my hands. So I just uh, turned on Resident Evil 2 and decided, you know, I, I know it. I can kind of like use one side of my brain to, you know, do the pod. Because you took the limitless pill. Yeah. 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 I took the limitless pill and I was uh, discussing video games with my friends while also playing a video game uh, yeah. fast. Yeah. I didn't beat my personal best though. My, my personal best in Resident Evil 2 uh, from 1998 is an hour and four minutes, which puts me at somewhere like 260th on the speedrun.com leaderboard. Mm. Um, if I were I'm to a, submit I'm actually a run. 259th, so that's uh, oh, crazy. Damn. Yeah. Um, but uh, since we're talking about Village today, there is an achievement for yeah. beating this game in <laughs> under three hours. And I got to say, my first playthrough was 10 hours. Um, I played very slowly, though. And I know there's a lot of time to cut out of that 10 hours, but three hours seems like it's cutting it really close. Right. No extra. You got to just beeline the story. Yes. I'm very excited to see how Village turns out as a speed game uh, in that community. I I know there are a few streamers that I watch that are already thinking about, you know, how am I going to approach it and how am I going to, you know, speed through the game. And there's a lot of people also looking at the Village of Shadows difficulty, uh, which I've heard is uh, pretty brutal. Um, So I'm excited to play that as well. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the suite? 
Yeah, well, so I just want to say for my part, um, I I got into Resident Evil uh, just a few years ago, um, but I've since played through much of the backlog. I've played most of the games, um, but even before that, this is definitely a franchise I have always been aware of. I remember watching my older brother play the Resident Evil 1 remake on GameCube in that very famous scene where you see a zombie for the first time, mm, uh, yes. not even holding the controller. Like, that's burned into my memory. Uh, I just remember being so scared sitting in the basement in the dark while my brother played. I didn't even, I wasn't playing. Uh, and I don't think I could have at the time, to be honest. I think it would have been a little too scary for me. Um, but I I like Resident Evil quite a bit. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention before we get right into it is, um, it's a bit of a self-plug, but I think it's relevant to mention now. Uh, everyone listening to this probably already knows, but uh, there is a YouTube channel called Game Time Funyeh that I started with my friend Matt Williams and then later uh, ran it with our friend Matthew Rayo. And uh, we do a Let's Play of video games, and we did a Let's Play of Resident Evil 7. So to celebrate Resident Evil 8, we we resuscitated it a little bit, uh, and we are now doing a play of Resident Evil Village, uh, as well as some other games. Mike, you are in an upcoming episode. Yeah, um, I'm. You're a, a few actually. Excited. Matt has just taken to recording when we're playing video games, <laughs> and so like doesn't tell everyone, which is great. I love that. He yeah, he's st- we we've been playing Phasmophobia, and um, I I noticed because like the way he spoke kind of changed suddenly, and it was very much like a like a oh, like, a, like a host of a show. Yeah, yeah, this is Show Matt. He's he's turned on the the performance switch. Yeah, and well, you yeah. You're in a lot of Dead by Daylight episodes coming up too. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited for the return of Game Time Funier, and I'm also yes. excited to to record some stuff with you later this year as well. Absolutely, yeah. So, and I just want to mention that at the top because uh, my my take of Resident Evil Village actually is impacted by uh, playing it with Matt because um, you know I think we both we're recording this on the Monday after the game came out. We both finished our first run this weekend, but I'm also doing a run with Matt watching him, uh, and so yeah, uh, that's all I got. All right, well, folks, here's your first and only friendly warning. Spoilers are ahead. If you don't want to know your plot beats, your characters, user experience, the buzz of the biz, and of course the mechanics, then we recommend playing the game how you'd like to. But uh, if if you're ready, here we go. Folks, welcome to The Suite, where we talk about the things we liked and loved about Resident Evil Village. Mike... This might be my favorite setting of any Resident Evil game. It is incredibly interesting. I, I, I felt that at the very beginning as well because um, not only is like the opening of this game a little bit different, um, the setting isn't necessarily like a departure, but it just feels fresh. It feels like we're on the Universal backlot, <laughs> and <they're>, <laughs> when they were making all those like Golden Age monster movies, <laughs> and. Like the 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 very first uh, proper visual uh, in the game of this village is stunning. I mm-hmm. uh, you, you you begin out in the wilderness at at dusk. Um, it is well, was it near dawn? Yeah. Um, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Apology music. Go. I'm sorry for using the wrong word. Um. <laughs> You start at the edge of the village uh, in the wilderness uh, at, at just before dawn. It's you know darkest before dawn, and it's incredibly dark. Your <laughs> flashlight barely works, and uh, you 
enter a clearing on a cliffside and boom there's the village below there's the castle you can you can you can see the entire game right in front of you and um in that moment too i looked i looked over at the factory and i was like that's where the game's going to end there's going to be a laboratory or something there isn't there <laughs> um you know and it's kind of like you know you, you know resident evil at this point i don't think it's necessarily a bad formula but it definitely is you know a set of pieces that work together and are usually remixed uh to good effect and that initial visual was just so beautiful and stunning that uh, I stood there on the cliffside for like five minutes just admiring it. Yeah, it's a really pretty looking game. Uh, and and so not, you know, also as part of that setting that I love, I also think this might have my favorite enemy types of a Resident Evil game because they've transitioned slightly into you have a few enemies that are basically your zombies but yes. they're actually introduced like mid game. The first enemies you meet are lichens. They're werewolves, Michael. They're spooky. And I don't even have any dang silver bullets, but I have a lot of other kinds of bullets. And it turns out those work too. They do work. And it usually takes a few of them. Though. Takes a whole lot of them. Actually. We can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that uh, one of the things about village, I, I, I do really appreciate uh, resident evil seven is a wonderful game. I love seven. Uh, mm-hmm. The Baker family is a huge standout, and I could definitely see, uh, with regard to your enemy roster, with anything up against the Bakers, it's really difficult to not just go for the Bakers, because there's such a great set of characters and villains. Yeah. Um, but that said, Resident Evil 7 did suffer from a lack of enemy variety. You had the Molded, which were your standard grunt zombies, but they just... They didn't have a whole lot of life to them, or, or I guess like unlife. Uh, I I don't know what you would say. It, they 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 felt very generic, and by the time that you halfway through the game to the end, you realize that this is the only type of enemy that you'll really be seeing with like a few small variants. Um, it's a little disappointing. Right. Village is a complete one eighty turn from that, and it's just filled to the brim with interesting enemy types and it keeps coming at you with more as you continue onward um and that's such a a, like a welcome and refreshing thing because i I think at the beginning when village was announced it was kind of a concern like is it just gonna be werewolves and you know werewolves and vampire ladies and chris redfield (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and thankfully uh capcom has blessed us with uh, a larger variety and and quite a bit too i i think this game uh, takes a lot of inspiration and a lot of homage from Resident Evil Four, which uh, I you can I, I could see mm-hmm. like the Resident Evil One influence in Seven with the Baker Mansion, and now we're in a village just like Resident Evil Four. It even opens the same way where uh, when you get into the village proper, uh, they start attacking and you just have to survive until they get distracted by something else. Yeah. I would actually say this is more like Resident Evil 4 than it is 7. Yes. In the sense that it's like it's a continuation of the 7's narrative, but I I feel like this game is a spiritual remake of 4. Right. And I would not be surprised. Uh, actually, I, I'm going to change that to you can't convince me that there are we're not tools being shared between this game and the team secretly working on Resident Evil 4 Remake. I think there's a lot in this game, a lot of systems that are prototypes for how you would modernize Resident Evil 4. 
yeah, if you've played Resident Evil Four, there's so much in Village that you will recognize from the like the, the just the setting of a village, a castle that is its backdrop, um, the you know the merchant to buy weapons from and sell resources to, the uh, even like the glimmering little uh, shards of uh, crystals that uh, they 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 reflect light in the the ceilings of rooms throughout, and you shoot at them to make them drop from the ceiling. Like there's so much of this game that pulls from Resident Evil Four that um, I, I like. What my my one of my most prominent thoughts while playing this game was, I know that Capcom is likely working on a remake of Four, and like you said, this is just setting the foundation. We have the assets, mm-hmm. we've built the systems. So when we do remake Four. We just have to copy and paste what we did with Village, right? Exactly kind of what we did with Resident Evil 7. There's a lot that you can see from 7 uh, that is in the remake of 2 and the remake of 3. Uh, those assets are carried over and reused. Um, and, and the RE engine is wonderful. I, oh, I think it looks yeah. amazing. It works really great. Both the first person and third person perspectives work really well in that system. However, I, I still stand by my most prominent thought was I really hope they don't remake Resident Evil 4 next. Like if 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 they were to do that, I don't want to see it in 2022. Um I feel like Village is such a, a wonderful uh spiritual remake that it, it kind of did what a remake of four would do and it left me satisfied. And I have recently re- replayed Resident Evil 4 and completed it 100%, played on professional, unlocked everything. Um, and I, I just feel like if they were to remake 4, I would be okay with waiting a little while. I'm, I'm definitely more interested in seeing where they take Resident Evil 9, uh, Revelations 3. Um, mm-hmm. those, those two threads there I am much more invested in not to say that I probably wouldn't enjoy a remake of four. I just feel like we already got it with Village, and it's very solid. Yeah, I, I, like you, I played Resident Evil Four recently. I actually played it for the first time in 2019, and uh, exactly like you said, Mike, it is still a very contemporary action game. It is very playable. Uh, I am, and it still looks pretty good too. the The color palette's a little gross, but that's more of a art design thing than an actual like graphic fidelity thing. It's funny because Resident Evil Four was like the game that not only like established the third person over the shoulder action shooter, but also that brown palette that right. every game from like two thousand five to twenty ten had. Right. Oh, <laughs> a super influential game, absolutely, uh, and. I would be okay with a four remake if they actually made it a horror game like they did two and three. Uh, but I'm not as hopeful for that because after playing this and, and again, this Resident Evil Village is an aces action game. It's amazing. It's incredible. The shooting feels tight, but it's not very scary. Uh, there are some thrills and some like suspenseful moments that are really fun, uh, but it, it is not a horror game. I would actually think I I recommended this to people I know who kind of bounced off seven because they thought seven was a little too scary, but they liked four and they liked those older resident evil games. That being said, the second level of this game, the second area, I guess it would be more accurate. The, um, the dollhouse, uh, that bit is legitimately terrifying. I, that that's the one with the giant baby. 
Uh, oh boy, was I really, really legit scared during that whole segment. That set piece was very interesting and a complete departure from what I was expecting. Um, the 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 flow of the game from the village to the castle happened very quickly and all of the marketing material for this game really showed off the castle and Lady Dimitrescu. And it was kind of questionable, like, what else is there, right? We have a few other characters, but everybody remembers Resident Evil 4 and how a very large chunk of the game took place in the castle. And I I think there was a common thought that maybe that's how this game will be. You know, it seems to be following the plot beats of 4, so maybe that's the case. No, there's, there's a lot more to it, and... Um, the dollhouse was incredible. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very simple, uh, setup, but it was a very interesting, uh, experience. And I feel like there are parts of village that kind of veer into like silent hill territory of horror, uh, which I thought was really good. I, I, I highly welcome that. Um, cause we don't have any silent hill these days either. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Except we have dead by daylight. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the castle and the marketing and Lady Demetresk's presence in the marketing because I've seen some backlash of people who uh, they're not crazy about the fact that she uh, Lady D is really only in the first quarter of the game. Yes. Uh, personally, I like having kind of like a rogues gallery. There's there's five villains essentially. Uh, Four of them really shine. Lady Mar- or Mother Miranda is the final boss, and she's like, I think she's the most milk toast of them. Um, but I liked that. I liked having these four bosses you had to fight through. But I do think there is some validity to the complaint that uh, the the castle is the best designed part of the game. That that whole level and uh, and her castle feels the most. It feels like Resident Evil at its best. Um, and then the second and third areas are much shorter, much more straightforward. And then you do get the factory at the end, which is also a a more, uh, kind of like a a dungeon, what you would expect from Resident Evil. Yeah. I think the factory is definitely going to like in the long run, uh, probably be closest to the, like the Island from Resident Evil four replaying through Resident Evil four. The Island feels like it just overstays its welcome a little bit. And I've already started to see a few people say that. You know, the factory's okay, but it's a little samey and it's a little long. Yeah. And that's already reflecting the the common uh, feelings of the island. Uh, so it, it's very funny how close these two games are in that sense. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I also want to share, um, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but I remember um, back in the day, I remember following the development of Resident Evil 4 because I was very excited for that game. And I actually was a little mad that it was exclusive for the GameCube until it was ported to the PS2 eventually. Um, But the exclusivity initially bothered me, though I still followed the development uh, and and the news from the game. And um, I I, I don't know if you ever knew, but Resident Evil 4 went through several different uh, design decisions. Like it initially was fixed camera uh, settings were different. Enemies were different. There was so many. Uh, were there ghosts or something? Wasn't that? Yes, there, yeah. there was. There was like one version of the game where this like blackness follows you through a, through the castle. Uh, but one of the things that Village reminded me of was a, a tech demo that showed off 
not only uh, Resident Evil 4 Leon with the fixed camera angles, but uh, living dolls uh, that were enemies and would attack. So the the whole dollhouse set piece is a callback to a, a, an unfinished, cool. <laughs> unreleased version of Resident Evil 4. That's awesome. Uh, That's really cool. Is a very yeah, it's it's very cool to see like okay, that that thing that could have been really now is uh, in Village, um, and <laughs> you know you you can always go back and watch the Resident Evil Four tech demos, but that I think is probably a direct uh, translation from that material because you know it's the first time that kind of thing has ever shown up in Resident Evil, and. To see it here now, yeah, it's they, they have to have like looked back there and say, okay, yeah, that that's that's what we need to do, and it worked out. It's a great set piece. Yeah, I'm I'm also interested uh, just to follow up with what you said on the factory because I I haven't really been reading a lot of the discourse around the game just because I uh, like I told you before we started, Mike, I wasn't even texting you much this weekend. Like I just wanted to save yes. it for this, uh, but I also felt like the factory i just didn't love the factory in general it felt a little long it still isn't that long like but it just felt long it felt clunky to navigate and i didn't really like the new enemy types they threw at you in that part but and this is a big but the mad dash to the end of the game after the factory is one of my favorite parts uh, the Heisenberg boss fight where you're controlling the mech that Chris was just <laughs> building this whole time is amazing. Uh, getting to play as Chris Redfield himself was a nice surprise. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I liked the Mother Miranda fight, too. I, I re- That whole section of the game, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I overwhelmingly feel like uh, the factory, uh, the factory you could probably reduce a little bit or change up. I, 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 I feel that when you say... Uh, it's a little bit clunky to navigate because when I got the key mold, yep. uh, I had to get back to the forge to make the key. And there are paths that block themselves off after you go through an area. And I got lost. Yeah. And, you know, I the the map and the way you read the map, it's, it's okay. I guess, you know, the, these are like little nitpick things. But, yeah, it was kind of, you know, a bit more labyrinthine than... Uh, the rest of the game, I suppose, a little bit more difficult. And the armored enemies will just eat up all all of your explosives. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I let myself die to one of the um, the Panzer sold at because I just didn't have any pipe bombs left. And <laughs> right. I I you know I goofed one of my throws and I could have gotten rid of his armor, but I missed. So. I had to just, you know, eat that and and try again. The section after that, yeah, the the boss fight with Heisenberg was incredible. Just yeah, remarkable. Um it was really fun and the the mech was so different and unique and fun. It kind of got like Evil Dead vibes from that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um uh and and it was like, you know, really good camp as well. <laughs> and then to follow that up with like that, that Chris Redfield section. I uh, I I just felt like okay, this is cool. My, the the very first thought, like I w- I didn't even take a, st- a single step forward, and I sent you a text like this rules. This yep. this fucking rules. It, it kind of was like the 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 right blend of uh, you know, like I guess like Chris Redfield is no longer the same guy that he was in Resident Evil One. You know that that idea of like scrounging for ammunition to survive and uh, generally being unprepared 
is definitely not in Chris's, uh, uh, you know, professionalism anymore. Chris Redfield is always prepared for the job at hand now. And it's really difficult to make a survival horror game around someone who is as prepared as Chris Redfield. Right. So you get games like Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6, which deviate from the survival horror part of the series that a lot of people really love. And those games aren't, like, awful. Um, but if you are here for the horror, then they're, they aren't really, you know in tune with that as much as this game is but that chris section is like the perfect blend of those action tendencies that five and six uh were exploring and uh the survival horror stuff that you play through as ethan winters that section is just like the perfect marriage of everything from resident evil 4 to resident evil 6 at its best absolutely yeah and I really like this new Chris Redfield. I think middle-aged Chris Redfield is really, really cool. I kind of wish the uh, twist with Mia, because, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of the game, the game, the inciting incident is Chris shows up and uh, riddles Mia with a bunch of bullets and kidnaps Ethan's daughter. But, of course, that all ends up being a bit of a, a ruse and, and Chris is not ill-intentioned. Um, I kind of wish that would have played off a little differently. I almost sort of liked it if, like, he actually did kill Mia, like Mia was just corrupted by the mold and Ethan didn't know it, and she, basically it was like Chris had to strike first, so Chris was still in the right, so to speak, but there was just that rift between him and Ethan that would not be able to be resolved. Something a little bit more morally ambiguous and, you know, like a, a tough decision, um, whereas, yeah, in the end it turned out like, okay, yeah, it was something else completely, you were totally justified to shoot what looked like my wife. Right, but... The game, to the game's credit, they do kind of remedy that a little bit where uh, there is a point where Ethan is believed dead by Chris and uh, everyone. And it's that section where you're playing as Chris and one of Chris's squad mates tells him we should have told Ethan the truth. So like, yeah. And of course, at the end of the game, Ethan ends up dying anyway. Uh, but it's not so much Chris's fault as it was in that moment where like and, and Chris himself is kind of like, I know, like I, I, I goofed. Uh, and I thought that was kind of cool, too. They didn't shy away from those implications of, like, Chris kind of handled this poorly. I think the, 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 the biggest chunk of plot that this game has is in its final hour. And that was a very powerful moment, I feel, too, because through, through um, like, all of Resident Evil 6, there's this just character arc of Chris being a downer and depressed because he loses people all the time. But, you know, as 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 his squad captain, he keeps on going. Um, that game starts with him being a drunk in the middle of nowhere and having to get pulled out of, uh, you know, a rock bottom by somebody else. And the entire game just goes through the, 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 the PTSD of losing your squad, but it just doesn't feel that good. Cause it, the, the action really doesn't match with that mood. But um, in this case, I think the, the personal connection that you'll end up forming with Ethan um, and then all the mystery around Chris, that theme is there. It's the same exact thing, but it just hits so much stronger this time around because, you know, as Ethan, you are rightfully like, what the fuck? What is going on? Mm -hmm. What is happening? Is Chris Redfield a bad guy now? Uh, what's what is happening? I have no clue. And then when you are given the answer by Chris himself way later in the game, you know, you, you do see like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I guess if you had told me that earlier, 
there's a chance I would have agreed, disagreed. I don't know. Um, but his squad say, you should have told Ethan. And yeah. it, it just, it, it really rings through. Um, and then Ethan's death as, as well was quite like, it was quite gripping. I thought, um, and Mia and Chris talking in the, the, the helicopter as they're escaping the village. Um, just very good. I, I think this game and its story did that Chris Redfield narrative so much better than six did. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a resident evil game without uh, ending on a helicopter flying away from an explosion. Yes. And that is what happens in this case. The only thing is you don't get to choose like all the people that you get to save. And it doesn't change <laughs> yeah. if you play a different character. Cause you only play as Ethan, and then a and little Chris. bit as Chris. And Ethan himself is like fine. I, I, you know, he's he's not the most compelling character. It, it definitely, it, it's weird. It feels like it's supposed to at times be a self insert, but then they give Ethan quite a bit of lore in his own story. But one thing I do like is his overall characterization. I like this idea because I was a little confused at the start of this game what exactly Ethan's role was. If he was like every other Resident Evil protagonist, part of this organization that fights the bioweapons where now chris no longer is like there you know there's some like politics at play there but he's not he's just a guy who obviously the trauma of what happened in resident evil 7 has shaped him a little bit and he now knows how to use guns and he knows basic self-defense and i thought that was pretty clever because they're <laughs> basically uh the dynamic between chris and ethan in this game is ethan uh chris is always getting the jump on him <laughs> and smacking him around a little bit and throwing him to the ground and I thought that made sense because, like, obviously Chris is like a career man fighting monsters and Ethan is relatively new at it where he'd be, you know, much better than the average person, but he still is not going to be able to, like, walk up to Chris Redfield and, you know, show him what's up. Yeah, and they don't even have a face for Ethan's character model in the game. In in the, in the in-game shop, if you buy the uh, the figures, there's one of Ethan. His face is a black void. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Ethan definitely serves as a kind of surrogate. We don't ever see his face, though. I mean, it is kind of generic white guy, white dad dude. But um, the uh, the I, I agree. The characterization is good, and the the connection to Resident Evil Seven I feel like is very strong in this game. Like the, the it being a direct sequel and the the narrative cohesion between seven and eight. I think is a good thing. Um, and it was really interesting to, you know, to reflect on resident evil seven once more through the process of, uh, journeying through the village. Um, Ethan's moldy body keeping him alive was also an interesting, I, I think it was an interesting take on, you know, how does he keep just pouring juice on his hands and being okay? Right. Yeah. That was a really funny way. Cause, cause that's the take that I have seen. The joke everyone's making is this game is made by someone who hates hands <laughs> because <laughs> you, at the very beginning of the game, two of your fingers get bit off. Uh, your hands are just getting stabbed all the time. And then at one point your hand gets clean cut off just like in seven and then Ethan puts it back on, pours some healing juice on it, and then his fingers wiggle again. He goes, all right, cool. And, yeah. And in this game, like we've talked about, it's it's campy and arcadey in all of the best ways. It, it's, it's super replayable, and it really leans into that Resident Evil camp effectively. So I thought that's all that it was going to be, was basically, uh, it's just, for the sake of the story, he needs to have his hand back, so whatever. We didn't feel like not 
having his hand get cut off because that scare was too good. But they actually explain he basically has a healing factor because of the mold. Mm-hmm. He's not a normal guy, and, and that's why he's able to take all this punishment. It kind of gives me the impression of like uh, like you know the the whole thing with uh, the the metamycete and the mold. Uh, once you like get to the source and you, you eradicate this uh, this bio weapon, it also is going to turn Ethan into dust because that's what he's composed of. Mm-hmm. That's his entire body, and and that is what you do see at the end. Like that uh, that that uh, ending scene, what I felt was gripping because you know uh, Ethan handing his child over to Chris and and just kind of withering away before pressing the detonator was like wow that's that's powerful. What a good tad. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, to touch back on actual gameplay then a little uh, for a little bit, this game is definitely met much more Metroidvania than I think at least any of the ones I've played. You know, Resident Evil always has had that kind of caked into its formula. There's always a lot of backtracking, a lot of going mm-hmm. to new areas to unlock a thing. Uh, but this game, actually, it feels sort of like the beginning of three remake where you have that open area of raccoon city to go and explore. Uh, except in this one, you keep coming back to that hub. You keep coming back to the village hub. And I had a really good time. Basically after every major story beat, you would acquire a new key or whatever that lets you into more areas in the village. And I a hundred percented like all the extra village stuff just cause it was a blast. I had fun doing it and it, it did not feel like a chore. Like you said, Mike, you beat this game in 10 hours. I think I was around the nine hour mark, but you played on hardcore, right? Yes, I did play the game on hardcore for my first playthrough. And I was on standard, so that probably explains that. Uh, but still, like, I was not rushing through the game by any means. I was taking my time to explore. I fought the like extra, like, there's like a few secret kind of tough enemies you can fight. Uh, and I really loved that. I had an absolute blast with that. Uh, it it kind of took me by surprise how much I enjoyed that. Yeah, they definitely put a lot into the level design of this game, and... I, I personally do love that after each major section of the game, after you visit Castle Dimitrescu, after you visit the dollhouse, um, each section brings you back to the village. The village is such a, a wonderful central hub, and I never felt like it was a chore to navigate the village um, or that it was an uninteresting place to return to. They, uh, the developers did a good job, I think, with uh, just kind of refreshing the the area after each major plot plot beat uh because when you come back there there would be something different there's some some door that you can unlock and explore a little further that lock picked desk or that piece of treasure that you've just been eyeing this entire time now you can get it and oh wait there's this really spooky tough enemy in the way too now oh cool um i i, I really feel like uh and it's funny that you mentioned resident evil 3 remake um, because in our discussions, there's no, no question about my feelings on that game. Um, but I'll, I'll share them here. And I really, I think I really wish that, uh, the level design of Resident Evil three remake was a lot more like this game, uh, because raccoon city itself was just a, a huge part of the setting in the original game. And it, it really is only there for like, I, I think at most 20 minutes in the remake. And after that, you're just kind of zooming through everything else like a, a greatest hits slideshow. Uh, and here in Village, there's just so much detail and and, and love and care and uh, reasons to explore and 
I, I, I kind of wish they had given that to three and this whole uh, progression of, you know, you start in the village, you move to this location and you come back to the village and you kind of work your way through all these different places, bouncing forth uh, back and forth through the village. I think that could have worked really well for three. Yeah, because, definitely. Because you're, you're in the city and it would be, you know, roughly the same thing. You're just, you know, you're in the city, you're in this place now, you're in, in your, now you're back on the streets. Um, so I, I feel like Resident Evil 3 remake, I, it, it's kind of crazy because I, I, I just don't know what to expect because it was supposedly designed as a three hour game, oh, not a three hour, a five hour game. Um, whereas this is definitely designed as a 10 hour game. Resident Evil 2 remake was designed as a 10 hour game. I, I really wish Capcom gave us that five extra hours um, or the five additional hours with three and really gave that like game a little bit more room to breathe and uh, let it be as best as it could be. I, I wouldn't even have minded waiting until 2022 for that. Um, and, you know, Village being the, the follow-up to Resident Evil 2. Because mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see that Capcom has what it takes to to make a a fun survival horror game and also you know something that has good action in it as well so if you're not totally into the horror aspect then you know the action will still grip you um and three is just a little too short for me sure yeah i mean i i liked three more than you did i think but i also did spend less time with it i i don't know if i've told this story on the show but you know this mike uh i don't really rage quit games a lot but i not only did i rage quit resident evil 3 remake on uh nightmare difficulty i rage uninstalled it i was on the final boss and there are some pixel perfect dodges in that game that are also instant kills and that shit drives me up a wall uh and i i i burned the game from my system memory uh, and I don't look back on it negatively as a whole because of that, but I also have not had the urge to go back and replay it. I am a Madden man, and I have finished that game on Inferno. That fight is toxic. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it like was Inferno. Only, it's it's the only old nightmare. Also, is is really tough. I think it was the the, the final la- yeah. The final nemesis animations are just so fast. I think it was the final level though, because I I think I beat it. Oh, I think I was Inferno. Okay. So I was yeah, on the Inferno's last boss a- of Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> Inferno is definitely a meme difficulty. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot of uh, people in their takes with like Resident Evil 7 on Madhouse is an incredible experience versus like Resident Evil 3 on Inferno is just hard for difficulty's sake. They probably didn't test it very much. Right. Um, you know, it's difficult to say, but it just like if you approach inferno with the infinite rocket launcher then you're set until the final nemesis fight and then it's really just down to can you dodge um which right. isn't the core of resident evil by any means but i mean it, the dodge mechanic at least works better in the remake than it does in the original game though that fight is still really 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 toxic um i've heard that the village of shadows difficulty is similar and the meme quality of the inferno difficulty from three uh i haven't played village of shadows yet but i will because uh you know i have to 
Uh, I'm on a quest to uh, completion 100% every single Resident Evil game in the franchise. And uh, I'm halfway there um, in terms of how many games I have completed. So, you know, Village of Shadows is on that uh, that path. Um, I'll probably have to use shop weapons because I, I, I one of the streamers I watched was talking about how people started playing it without using new game plus stuff and you end up soft locking because you run out of ammo before a boss fight. Yeah, I want to put a pin in this just because I want to come back to this conversation in the sour because yeah. I have some thoughts on that. There's just a few more things I wanted to mention, and these are also like these are more things they brought back to Re- from Resident Evil Four. Uh, they brought back the Tetris inventory mini game. We love that, don't we, yeah. folks? Yeah, the inventory was great. Yeah, I, and 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 also like it was nice to have a bigger inventory. Yeah, it's huge. I think this game definitely requires it. Yeah, there's so many more weapons and and. The weapons are really fun, too. Yeah. You know, I was going to save this for the sour, but it's such a minute point. They got rid of the inventory, like, box, and I kind of wish they wouldn't have, but at the same time, your inventory is so big, like you're saying, it doesn't really matter. You're never yeah. really strapped for space. And, and that is also, like, a Resident Evil 4 kind of thing, too, because there was no box in that game. Oh, that's true. So. You're right. Good point. Also, they they not only brought back the merchant, but they made him, like, a character. <laughs> Like he, yeah, I like the that. Duke. He's awesome. And even near the end of the game, Ethan kind of goes like, so what are you? And the Duke I, is like, ah, you tell me, I, buddy. I can't even tell you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I like that a lot. Uh, Cause I, I'm a big fan of not explaining every single thing. And, but I also like it when uh, worlds acknowledge that they're strange. Like there is a, there's a logic that needs to be followed. And this guy is breaking that logic. Yeah. I think that uh, this game really does set up a, an interesting, type of world building with that and, and there's even like the little uh notes and nods to the rest of the franchise like there's a letter from oswald spencer mm-hmm. and he was friends and studied under uh mother miranda and they had you know differences of opinion but respected each other and like holy like you're, you're playing as chris redfield you pick up a letter written by oswald spencer that's probably like i don't know how many decades old but it's just sitting out ready for you to read conveniently. And Chris Redfield's probably reading this thinking like, so this is why I had to crawl my ass through a haunted zombie mansion 20 years ago. Right. Gripping to the edge of my life. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Cause like you said, Mike, it not only it it is a, a perfect culmination of all of resident evil, uh, not only in the zaniness at one point, Heisenberg, who is the fourth, of the fifth five villains refers to Chris as a boulder punching asshole. Uh, But they also, uh, canonically they address that like this game, which is Ethan's story, who is a new guy, all ties back to the origins of umbrella. Yes. That's very cool. It it (laughs) all like started here, like what? A hundred years ago. Yeah. And, um, it, it, it is it is neat because it, it it doesn't just tie in Resident Evil Four or uh, the, the 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 kind of the eras of the franchise. You could split up into like the classic era on the PlayStation One, and then you know four, five, and six, and and now the first person era and, and these remakes. Uh, it it kind of takes everything and really does tie it together in a very nice way like there isn't anything that's very overt that oh yeah you're hanging out where this all started 
it, it's it's you know hinted at here and there and then if you do find that file and you do read it like oh hey there's the link there's the very clear link but it's nothing that's obnoxious um mm-hmm. it's just all the like the little pieces that uh that make you go hey that that that's pretty cool that's neat um and give you something to think about when you go back and you play that other game uh so there is a connection between resident evil one and resident evil village um and you know more about umbrella and you know more about these things um i i quite like that and mm-hmm. it feels like this game has a bit of a love for the classics of the series which um like there was a while where it kind of felt like you know does anybody care about like you know where this series came from exactly and it's cool to see them kind of uh throw that bone to the fans that have been there since the beginning or at least you know because i mean these games are 35 years old there are definitely people i mean we're not 35 (laughs) and you know and you've played all of them so you know it's cool that there is something there for people that have played all these games they're very familiar with the lore but also resident evil 7 was such a departure and almost like felt like a soft reboot in a lot of ways so that to tie it all back to Resident Evil 1 is is awesome. Uh, I, I also don't know if I've told this story on the show, but I know I've told you, Mike. So I, I played your copy of Resident Evil 7. Yes. I was living in Chicago at the time. You came to visit and you let me borrow it when you left. Uh, we started it together. So like, I don't even know if I was in the room when you like installed it on the PS4, but I did not close the game for like a, a week. Like, because like you said, it's not very long. I, I beat it pretty quickly. But I was just like putting my PlayStation into sleep mode. Like I wasn't even going to the main menu. Like I was just marathoning mm-hmm. Resident Evil. I didn't realize it was officially Resident Evil 7 until the end title screen. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just called Resident Evil Biohazard. And it was like Revelations. It was a spinoff. Because it was so different. I was like, there's no way this is a main Resident Evil game. And then my jaw was on the floor. And it's not even supposed to be a twist. But I just didn't realize it was actually Resident Evil 7. <laughs> and, and that's the thing too is like the, i think the entire game does feel like a spin-off or a reboot up until that moment when chris redfield lands yep. and, and and you know introduces himself and even then he looks a little weird he's very weird looking <laughs> very very strange and then there's like the blue umbrella logo and the dlc definitely makes it a lot more overt and, mm-hmm. and apparent that okay yeah this is um you know a mainline title this isn't a reboot this isn't a spin-off this is you know, just another chapter of the story and village takes all of like, you know, well, what, what are these things? What is the mold? What all the, all the questions that you probably had from seven, how does it relate? You know, uh, aside from just being another source of bio terror. Right. Uh, and it does relate. It does, it does tie back and you start to see, you know, the threads, um, uh, spreading outward and how like okay it's not just spencer it's not just wesker you know there's there's a whole world out there that's just full of this kind of stuff right and uh and, and and that makes a whole different you know that, that that's the world building that's very interesting to uncover as you play through a spooky game so and they even bring back the parasites yeah, and, and and so like when you're getting you know when, when it's a little too spooky when you know that lichen's about to like tear out your throat uh, you know, you go in and read a note and be like, oh, hey, so that's, again, that's why Chris, you know, was stuck in that mansion for, you know, a day yeah, and hated it and hated it so much <laughs> that he decided that he'd shoot, you know, everything that's a bioweapon. We also would be remiss if we didn't sing mercenaries praises a little bit because they brought back mercenaries and it whips ass, folks. It's amazing. 
I love it. I I've been playing. I played it today this morning. Yep. Uh, for a Me few too. hours already. <laughs> I I really enjoy Mercenaries. It's it's awesome. I fell in love with it again. Um, because I, I I had to play through Mercenaries mode in Resident Evil Four to unlock everything, and um, short of a few gripes with Resident Evil 4's Mercenaries, there's like one level that's pretty tough. And it drove me mad until I finally got the uh, the S rank that I needed out of it. Resident Evil 3 was the introduction of Mercenaries to the franchise. I just want to say really quickly, and uh, I, I'm uh, apology time. Um, wow, apology three in one th- episode. Yeah, apology Not time. Not sorry for that. Uh, you know, and during the suite, um, I'm I'm sorry that I'm about to rant about Resident Evil 3 remake again. Um, but uh, again, I, I I still like the game. I just I'm very critical of it because I think three is one of like the, my favorite games of all time, and I think Capcom did the remake of three a little dirty. But I'm sorry for ranting about three again. But uh, and I'm giving you time. one minute, just so you know. I'm looking at the clock. You have one minute. Um, they should have put mercenaries in the remake of three. Because the Mercenaries was introduced in 1999 in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. It wasn't as fleshed out as it was until Resident Evil 4. But um, I I, I still think that it should have been included. It should have been a part of Resident Evil 3 remake. And it should have also been a part of Village. And its version in Village is incredible. Uh, It's just fast paced. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. Um... I, I have just been having a blast with it and right now the only thing is like how can I get a higher score? Right. I, I, I think the pieces that make up the mercenaries have, have been designed well enough that I am doing what the developers intended and I'm going for that high score. Yeah. You do still have 20 seconds to talk about Resident Evil 3 if you want. I looked at the clock and you, you stopped talking about it about 40 also, seconds. Also Nemesis so. doesn't okay. chase you as often like it's scripted and <laughs> like Mr. X was more like Nemesis in Remake of 2 than he was than, than he is in his own game. I, I just like Nemesis got done dirty as well. He was should have been more terrifying should have been more free roaming. The city should have been bigger. Capcom you should have you, you, you know you could and have And that's done 20 better. Mike. Sorry bud. Gotta move on. Uh, the other thing, (laughs) uh, no, I agree with everything you said though. Uh, mercenaries is a lot of fun. I think this is the mode I will, uh, keep coming back to for some time. I don't know if I'm going to be as committed as you are to get S rank on everything, but I could see it happening just because I will probably keep coming back and revisiting. Uh, it's, it's just a blast. It actually kind of reminds me of, of doom a little bit. Uh, it's not as frenetic and fast paced, but it, it, uh, it works really, really well. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's a perfect little arcade mode, and I wish more contemporary games did that kind of thing. Yeah, Resident Evil has always had a a certain like quality with replayability in their games. I think um, even like the very first game had the unlockable infinite rocket launcher. If, I think it's if you beat the game under a certain amount of time. Um, so just unlockables and fun cathartic game modes have been an addition to that main narrative survival horror playthrough uh, for each game in the franchise. And to see that they really put that effort into village because um, it's, it, there's a lot there in, in seven to unlock. Um, there's a lot less in three and, <laughs> hey, uh, like, hey, uh. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and again, there could have been more, um, 
But to see how much they put in the village again is really nice because there's a lot of you know neat weapons that you don't even encounter in the game, uh, and you know the mercenaries mode is really fun. Uh, working to unlock infinite ammo weapons will be a good time. Uh, they 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 put a lot into that, so replayability is very high. And I think that you know even though I beat this game over the weekend, I will be playing it for the next month. And I'm going to be working on getting all that shit, um, getting getting everything unlocked because uh, it's just a good time. And mercenaries mode pro tip: buy that sniper rifle, max out that sniper rifle, sell everything else. That thing one shots everything. Yep, I've been doing sniper rifle shotgun for right now. Shotgun's been treating me pretty nice too. Is there anything else we want to talk about for the suite? I have just one thing I want to mention, and this is actually more directly for you, buddy. I know you played this on PC. Uh, this is actually only the third, like, PlayStation 5 game I have played, as in, like, game optimized and designed for the PlayStation 5. It's incredible, dude. It's so good. Uh, I actually didn't see a load screen until Matt and I were recording for Game Time Funyay, and I, like, didn't know what it was when it came up on screen. <laughs> it was just, like, a little picture of Baby Rose, and it said, My Angel, and I was like, what? What is this? And that's when I, I was like, oh, yeah, load screens are a thing in games. And then on top of that, the adaptive triggers uh, for shooting are so... Oh, it's amazing, Michael. You're saying that I need to come over and try it. And as well, if you do ever get a PS5, get it again. Because I know you, you'll <laughs> like it. Like, you absolutely should buy this game a second time. Um, there's, like, such a good weight, and it varies with each gun. So, like, even just when you press L2 to, to aim, when you do with the handgun, you don't feel that much resistant. But it's like, the, the, the uh, sniper rifle or the shotgun, something really heavy, you feel mm -hmm. it, like, kind of press against you. And then when you shoot, you feel the trigger resistance. Uh, and it's also really... It, it's awesome for the fire rate, too, because... You know, some of the shotguns in this game, I noticed a lot, they, their fire rate's kind of low uh, as, like, a balance thing. But if you shoot, if you, if you press the right trigger again before you would, like, be ready to shoot, there's no resistance. And then once your gun is ready to fire again, you'll feel, like, a little bit of a, a pushback on the right trigger. Interesting. Yeah, and there's, like, a really satisfying click coming from somewhere. I don't even know what part of the controller it's coming from uh, when you switch <laughs> weapons. Uh, it's It's... Uh, amazing absolutely amazing and obviously it looks great too i'm sure the game looked really good for you as well like yeah i don't know i i, I don't have a 4k tv so that's probably part of it but like the graphical upgrades of everything i've seen from like the last gen to this gen nothing's really blowing me away but like the the ps5 controller i think is like absolutely the dual sense controller i think it makes the console worth it it's so good and this game was a real treat I know Steam has an API for the DualShock 4, and I'm very hopeful that the DualSense gets a, a native API on Steam or just, I, I know you can use it on Windows. It's just a matter of those, uh, the, 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 the feedback, that exactly. haptic feedback and, and those features that you get on the PlayStation 5. I hope it's not too much to ask for that that kind of stuff works on PC because I would love to just get a DualSense controller and be able to do that. And, right. and, uh, and then by extension, like Resident Evil 7 VR, um, I, I, I have no clue if they're going to do VR for Village. It, it could work, but um, I, I really would like to see that available on PC as well, because I think Resident Evil 7 VR is only PlayStation VR. And I think those are two features, because like, the controller thing sounds really cool. Those are two features I really wish uh, were also available on PC. Uh, if you have nothing else, we can move on to the sour. Let's get sour. Thank you. 
Alright folks, welcome to the Sour, where we talk about the things we didn't like or love as much in Resident Evil Village. Uh, here's my first one, Mike. I didn't like when the game freaking ended. You know, my least favorite part of this game was the credits, because, uh, well, I was gonna say there's a lot of people that worked on it, but, you know, I thank them for their work. Yeah, they're job um, creators, Michael. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I hated the credits, because I was like, man, I just want to play the game again. Yeah. Let me jump back into it right now. Let me go play some mercenaries. I think a lot of my dislikes for this game are going to be more in the nitpick realm. Yeah. Like I, I, as, as apology time has, has allowed us to learn. Um, I have a lot of criticisms for resident evil three that I could rant about. I'm having a hard time thinking about those for village. Like I, I can't rant about this game. I'm with you. I have a few nitpicks and I have one I want to ask you about. Uh, but yes. here, here's my first. This one is like very lukewarm. It's actually like not really even that much of a sour. Um, the pacing of the game is a little weird in that, like we already mentioned, the first area is extremely good. But even actually, it's even zoom out farther before you even get to Lady Dimitrescu's castle. Like you mentioned, Mike, there's like the game throws almost everything at you right away. Within the first hour of the game, you've already acquired uh, the knife, the handgun and the shotgun. And you're in like a big lichen fight. And then you get to Lady Dimitrescu's castle, and it feels like essentially a Resident Evil mansion. It's very fleshed out, pretty good, probably like a, well, if you're flying through it after you've beaten it, you can probably beat it in like 45 minutes, but I would say it probably takes you an hour and a half to two hours. It's a pretty big chunk of the game. Uh, and then the second and third areas are like really fast. Like you can beat them under an hour on your first playthrough. Um, and then the factory, as we've already mentioned, is also pretty long. And it it just feels like they, the game throws like a lot at you really quickly, and it's it's easy to forget this game is pretty short, because you feel like you've done so much and you've covered so much ground. Yeah, I, I think that um, the the other areas that are really short, it, it's, I, I, I kind of feel like it's difficult to, to think of how you would expand them uh, exactly. and make them longer without making them just generic padding. So I'm I'm grateful that that isn't what they are. Um, I, I I guess like probably the best thing that could have been done is like give the the factory some kind of visual variety to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that because like, you 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 get that in the castle, you get a fair amount of variety with the dungeon areas beneath in the basements and the very uh fine and elegant uh uh woodwork and furniture and and just the, the beauty of the the uh the levels above uh to the rooftops even the, and and so there there's a such a strong um set of level design with the castle and then i believe the village itself um the factory is a little lacking in that because it just feels industrial and i think that with, with, with steampunk there's some there's something more that can be done to make that more interesting. And then the short areas, I don't know how you would expand on them. Um, I, the, yeah. the, the boss fights being like the main set piece of them, I think was fine. Cause I, I don't think you needed to have more lichens and more like uh, general mm -hmm. mobs in those areas. Like the big uh, Mario, the big fish was kind of a neat remix of uh, Del Lago. And, and those are cool pieces, but yeah, like you, you do get to them pretty quick. 
Um, I'm starting to see now how that three hour run might be much more possible. <laughs> yeah, especially for like the dollhouse, knowing exactly where all the puzzle solutions are, just beelining around, knowing how to avoid the giant baby. Uh, but, but that the reason I say that this is like a really mild critique is because even with that, the pacing being kind of weird, uh, those second and third areas are, I mean, I liked them both more than I liked the factory. Uh, I, the Heisenberg boss fight is almost in a category of its own because that was really fun. But like the actual when in the dollhouse, part of the reason it's so scary is because they take away your weapons. So it is truly just puzzle solving and then avoiding this giant baby monster. And then the Moreau giant fish fight was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I thought that was a really cool boss fight. Uh, not particularly yeah. challenging, but fun. Yeah, they they have a lot of uh, interesting and engaging pieces there. And I, I, I feel like it really is just kind of a matter of, you know, you, you don't want to push it too much. You, and you don't want to pull it back too much. So I, I feel like it's just like very small tweaking um, w- without too many changes. Maybe... The factory has to be last because your Heisenberg has to be last, right? So, right. Uh, I think that's where it came in. If if you had like the castle and then the dollhouse and then like the factory and then another short area, then maybe it would feel a little different. Um, but I guess it's like those two short areas sandwiched between two larger areas that kind of gives off the weird pacing feel. I have a question for you, Michael. Yes. You had texted that you hated physics puzzles. <laughs> Were you referring to the ball puzzles that are in each area? Uh, not specifically. Um, the the labyrinth ball puzzles, I didn't really have an issue with them okay. that much. Um, the physics puzzle that I was referring to was lighting the braziers. Oh was it, was it man! <laughs> there, there, there's a yeah. puzzle. There, there are two or three. There's three versions of this same puzzle in the castle. Yeah, and it involves uh, a, a hanging. Uh, unlit, uh, is it Brazier? Brazier? Brazier, Brazier, I think. Um, and you have to maneuver it into a, a, a lit flame in order to light it, in order to open up some passage. The first one didn't have any issues with it at all. I just, you know, I bashed Ethan's head into it in the direction I wanted, to, wanted it to go and lit it alight and carried on. The second one that gave me this frustration was in the dungeon of the castle you unlock a door and then as you walk in there this uh this gate rises around a coffin that contains a key item that you need so or i think it was a key item i I forget was what was in the coffin but the puzzle is you blow up part of the wall to reveal a Mm -hmm. lit flame and then you have to take uh one of them swing it up to light it up and then you have to swing the other one into the one you just lit and it will, you know, light up and the gate falls. Um, yeah. Where I was having an issue was I used the same method of bashing Ethan's face into the uh, the hanging container and it worked to get the first one a lot uh, to, to light up, but I could not get the second one to light. And I even like I, I just saw it on top of the other one just like it's yeah. touching it it will not light it but it is touching it and i was just getting so frustrated and i had i went online to see is there something i'm missing is there something i'm not doing right because i understand the puzzle i know what i need to do but the game isn't really conveying to me how to do it what i learned is 
the the right way to do this is to shoot at them. Yes. You shoot you shoot them in the direction you want to go. I came down here in the first place because I was about to face off the final Dimitrescu daughter and I needed ammo. Right. <laughs> I already had died like maybe twice to that fight uh, because I was just running out of ammo and I was, you know, knifing her. And uh, I came down to the basement again because I had the key to unlock the door. I figured maybe there's some ammo in here I can pick up and replenish my stock a bit. I had two handgun bullets. Oof. I had exactly two handgun bullets and that was it. That was the only ammunition I had. And all of the guys are like, shoot at the thing. I'm like, please? No? Yeah. Yeah, I read online you can use the knife, and I could not get the knife to work. And so I, I agree. I don't think it's possible to. It was merely frustrating because, like, puzzles in Resident Evil, like, they're, they're a staple. But I don't think they've ever been, um, like, incredibly difficult. And there re- I don't think there have really been many physics-based puzzles in these games. This is, like, the first, like, Half-Life 2-esque physics puzzle in a resident evil game that i can think of and i knew what to do and i knew how to do it roughly it just wouldn't trigger and that caused a lot of frustration i don't think it was a glitch or a bug i think it was just it didn't swing as easily as it does when you shoot it than it does when you bash your face against it or slice it with a knife right and they they come to a pretty sudden stop like the physics on them are are off Yes, like, yeah, they, they do not swing the way, you know, a, an actual thing hanging from the ceiling would. It's the kind of thing where, like, uh, again, a little tweaking. I, I don't think that those puzzles need to be hard or, like, you need to, you know, be an expert at how to, you know, line this up and do this. It, it is going to be difficult for people who are playing on higher difficulties. Uh, you're, you're trying to conserve ammo because that's the nature of the game. And you're told, oh, shoot at them. Like, no, I need to save those bullets. Why can't I just push it? Right. Or, like, pick up one of the logs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's... Because you're right. It, it's it's the worst kind of frustration in a video game puzzle where you're like, no, I know exactly how to solve it. I know exactly what you want me to do. It's just the tools you've given me to do it feel inadequate. And the the third variant of that puzzle, you actually have to light one of the enemies on fire. Which kicks ass. That's awesome. Draw it, which is cool. I just didn't know that was a thing you could do. Right. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it for the Game Time Funny episode, but Matt and I just got to that puzzle you're talking about, the, the one in the castle, not the one where you have to light the enemy on fire. And yes. uh, he accidentally made it even harder for himself. And it's almost <laughs> the entire episode is likely going to be us just trying to make that work phenomenal yeah it was like we we uh it was very funny and we're happy to have it done but i'd be lying if it said it didn't seem to leave a bit of a bad taste in both of our mouths <laughs> i wouldn't say my biggest nitpick of the game but it's definitely uh i don't know how long have we been talking about the one puzzle right but I mean, that's the thing it, it's memorable because it sucked now the good yeah. news is you know now that that is totally optional you know the treasure it's just a it's a treasure you get from that which is certainly helpful but i know i will not be revisiting that on my next playthrough i think the only other major area i got frustrated in was the lichen attack i i spent about an hour and the I, first I, again, one you mean the very on, first one the very first one um and and again I, I i was playing on hardcore um it is much more difficult i think than standard um you take more damage you get less ammo enemies take more damage uh so it is 
already a little bit more challenging because you have fewer resources and you need to dish out more damage and not take any. And I think I died more than five times during that. It was okay. it was really uh, trying to figure out uh, one: is there a place I can go? Which the answer is no. You just have to wait out a timer. Uh, and two, you know, how can I loop? You know, do I have to kill so many? Like, what what are the what are the the requirements for passing this? Okay, I want to put the podcast on pause real quick, Mike, because for real, I'm so happy to hear you say this because my biggest sour is, like I said, I wanted to come back and talk about the difficulty modes. I beat it on standard, did not really have a hard time at all. There were a few times I died, the Mother Miranda fight was a little tricky, but for the most part, it's not that hard of a game on standard. I started my hardcore run on This Morning Man, and I'm on that stupid Lycan fight. That's all the farther I've gotten. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Once you get past the Lycan, it is like it is totally doable. Again, it's a timer. I think it's like four yes. minutes. I, I looked it up online. I was going to say that. And I, I also saw that it was, you just have to survive. And I thought I was doing it long enough, but it's not working. And I'm about to lose my mind. Because, so, you know, uh, like other Resident Evil games, you can buy these like infinite ammo weapons that make it easier. And I'm not like you, Mike. I'm 100% going to use those. <laughs> like, that's my. <laughs> oh, I'm going to as well. The deal I've made with the game is fine. I'll play your hardcore mode. I'll play your nightmare mode, whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to use the infinite assault rifle. So I bought that. But in this game, you can't get those until you meet the Duke for the first time, which is after this Lycan fight. It is like when you're playing for the first time, it's maybe like an hour, hour and a half into the game, you'll meet him. On your second playthrough where you're like running through, maybe you're skipping cutscenes, you know what I mean? It's it's definitely within the first like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how many times these stupid lichens kill you. But I need to know what exactly did you do to beat this lichen fight on hardcore? Okay, so um, I think the key for surviving the lichen attack in, in harder difficulties is the gate behind the building that on the, br- the bridge the attack in. Um, okay. The, the the very first lichen that you have to kill inside that, yes, that building. Yes, in that house. Yeah. There's a gate behind it, and you can go back there without triggering the attack and unlock that gate. And that creates a loop that you can run around in a circle. Oh, my God. It doesn't... It's not perfect, because other lichens will still flank you, but it at least gets them to follow you a little bit and... It gives you a path to run. The way that I did it was after unlocking that gate, I'd run up to the house, grab the shotgun and every single item in that building. I learned Mm -hmm. how to to pick up everything in that building in under a few seconds and then get the hell out, move to the next building where you can climb onto the roof. Yeah, yes. You went under. You went under the building, right? And then... Yes. Yeah. And, 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 And the thing was I picked these houses completely. I had a path from each house to to pick up all the items and then in the final house before I'd climb up on the roof I don't I think in the end I didn't climb the roof I think what I did was I I I, I blocked the door and then waited for them to bust through and I killed like I, I used the big yep, red okay. barrel yeah yeah and then and then I just ran that loop I, I'd run behind the first house and then run up to the 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 house where you can climb on the roof and then just run them in circles as much as I could um ignoring the middle house because I never undid the barricade for the middle house oh if you wait too long they do it for you i i did that once and i found the lichen underneath the house when i was trying to use it as a loop and i said well that might be a bad idea yeah they go they start going under there you can hide there for a little bit but then they start going in 
yeah they'll find you yeah um so it, it really was down to the, i think the two key things are open up those uh those gate that gate so you can loop pick up as many items as you can so that you're equipped if you need to use a weapon try not to because again if you run out of ammo you you can soft lock the game but in hardcore i don't think you're going to run into that issue as much village of shadows definitely is an issue oh, I, god I've heard that of streamers, sounds miserable I've heard of streamers soft locking and having to restart because they just don't have any ammunition for a boss fight. Like imagine trying to knife the uh, uh, Lady Dimitrescu when she's mutated. It's probably not going to work. Well, I saw um, there's a trophy for defeating the big hammer werewolf in that fight. The first fight. Did yes, you see that? Yes. How? And I think the way to do how? that is ca- <laughs> casual. On do it on casual. Oh yeah. It, it, you know, and and, and I, I see like a, a lot of those things. Like, yeah, you just do it on the easy difficulty. There's no shame in that. In fact, I, I'm I'm I feel like the most common speedrun category will either be on casual or standard, just because it'll be quicker. Right. Right. Um, there are people that will speedrun or or at least do a uh, a new game run of Village of Shadows, but um, that is mostly just like bragging points. There's no real requirement that you have to do that. Sure. I think if you beat Village of Shadows with the infinite weapons, you still unlock the achievement. You still, you know, you did it. Um, but it's just additional bragging rights to do it without new game plus items. Well, and again, there's like a half hour to an hour chunk of the game where you're not going to have them. So like, right. it's not like the other Resident Evil games where they just give them to you from the start. And I think my complaint in a more macro sense about the way, in my experience, the way Resident Evil has handled these harder difficulty modes is they just... They, they make the enemies even more bullet spongy, and they make you even more fragile. And uh, in this game, Resident Evil Village, especially it's tough because uh, going for the headshot isn't always a viable strategy. Because these enemies, since they aren't zombie-like, they are much more erratic in their movements. And they and, it, and sometimes it's just like you, it just makes more sense to aim for the torso. And pop off as many as you can. And once they get closer to you, absolutely, go ahead and get a headshot. But from a distance, they might be moving too much, and you can't. I think that these enemies definitely are, like, the absolute best, like, next step for the Ganados from 4. And I, I think that, like, honestly, the difficulty mode in 4 is probably the best as well, where professional... Um, difficulty in resident evil 4 just locks the difficulty adjustment at its highest level if you play resident evil 4 on normal and you're you know you're doing well you're playing on professional it just isn't professional because if you you know take a hit or you miss a shot or you get hurt and die um then your difficulty adjustment lowers on professional it just stays at the top there so oh okay that's interesting it, it, it works in a way that you can play that difficulty mode without you know using it first but in difficulties like village of shadows yeah you're just you know more bullet sponges and a resource management type game and while it's not necessarily that bad a thing i think the lichen attack is definitely one where if there's a kill limit in order to pass it because like i i was watching uh, a streamer play through um the village of shadows difficulty and trying out different strategies you know apparently if you if you don't climb the ladder all the way, you could just kind of like hang out on the ladder. I was wondering that. Yeah. But they, they, they stood on the ladder for like a good four or five minutes and nothing happened. The, uh, the big guy only spawned after they got off the ladder. And that's like, you need him to spawn, but then it's not done when he spawns. It's tricky. And, and, and so like the exact requirements to, to 
past that section of the game, I think are still being worked out without, you know, doing any data mining or, you know, looking at the game code. Right. So, um, that is, I think something that'll, you know, we'll figure out eventually and we'll know like, okay, I got to wait here for so long. There will be a strat. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. But it is like, okay, yeah. Thinking about, um, dispatching with the big guy at the start without any special weapons is going to be interesting. You're going to have to use all the red barrels probably, but, um, you know, in a, in a few weeks time, there will be several YouTube videos with how to do it. Um, and I'm sure that all the pro gamers out there will have beat village of shadows with new game, uh, only stuff. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see that it's just, it, it is the kind of thing where like I, I personally am kind of wondering, do I wait a little bit and just, enjoy, you know, play the game again and enjoy it and kind of learn it a little bit more? Or do I try to go in and do a run to get as many um, challenges as I can? At, at this point, it's kind of hard to tell because a decent chunk of that, you know, for a new game, you're going to have to figure out yourself. Where right. are all the goats? Where are all these things? I missed one note. One note in my playthrough, out of all of the notes, like one note away from that achievement. Oh yeah, I like, missed three, and I'm like same and thing. I'm just like, it's like, oh, do great. I go and look at a guide, or do I go play it again and try to figure out myself? I'm always torn on that because um, the game is still so fresh. There's probably nothing for it now, but there will be soon. Yeah, I missed one combinable treasure, and it was it's in the factory. So when I get to the factory, I'm 100 percent just gonna look that up. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is Heisenberg's hammer. Nice. Yeah, because I got one part of it and it said combinable and then I never found the second part. But the factory is also the one I was the least thorough on. Like I did not mm-hmm. do a once over after because like like I said, it was kind of clunky and I was ready to be done with it. But so this time I'm definitely going to just look up a guide probably. Yeah, um, I, I think and, in, in, you know, one of my sours for this game is well, the, one of the first ones is really not for the game itself, but for mercenaries. I like the first person mercenaries mode. I I kind of miss the addition of other characters. Yeah, I was wondering how they would handle that. Other mercenaries modes you could play as, you know, several different characters. Like Resident Evil 4, you can play as Leon, of course. You can play as Ada, and you can play as Krauser, and you can play as Wesker. And each character has a different loadout and, you know, different abilities. And that was a really, like, enjoyable aspect of the mercenaries. And I know five and six also expanded on that with more characters, more stages. Um, and I like the mercenaries a lot, but you really only do play as Ethan Winters. And when we got to that Chris section of the story, I was really like that. One of my other thoughts in that was I'm really hopeful that mercenaries, you, even if it's first person, right? Playing playing as Chris, playing as other characters, uh, would be appealing. I think. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that it is just Ethan. Actually, I I don't know if it's Ethan because like no one really he never talks. Yeah, <laughs> names you and the character doesn't talk. So, um, you know, it could. I guess you could insert anybody into that. You know, voiceless role. But um, it I, I think by default it is Ethan. Um, I, I I think the inclusion of characters also would be nice for the mercenaries. Um. And then, you know, that also opens up. I know they have like the blue sphere abilities, but also like if you play it as Wesker, then you have like the, you know, the, the, the laser eyes or whatever. Right. Um, so that could have been an option. Right. Which, which I think would have been very fun. Um, 
as I'm thinking of other sours that I had with this game, again, it's really difficult. Um, it, it, I, I feel like it's really just nitpicking. I'm sure more will pop up as I continue to play it. Um, the only thing popping into my mind right now is I really miss Jill Valentine. Mm-hmm. That's See, that's the thing. Say I'm going to break my own rule now, but say what you will about Resident Evil 3 Remake. I really liked playing as Jill. Yeah, Jill Valentine is probably my favorite character of the franchise. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that definitely, I mean, I'm biased. Jill was probably the first Resident Evil character I've ever played as um, with Nemesis uh, in 1999. And um, I, I just, I love her character so much. And the last we really saw of her was Resident Evil Revelations. It, it kind of feels like this character is not you know, off living her best life and, you know, just said, you know, screw all this bioweapon stuff. I feel like Jill Valentine is still like in it as much as Chris Redfield is in it. We just haven't seen her. Right. And I feel like Village could have included her in the story somehow. And I was even wondering if that would be a thing. Um, it just kind of feels like Capcom has left Jill, you know, like just forgotten about Jill and then kind of, you know, did her game remake dirty. So Chris saves her in five. I haven't played six. Have they reunited since then? Because I would love to see that. Especially no. like middle-aged Chris now with like Jill. Like not at all. Yeah, interesting. Maybe, they, maybe they'll do that because clearly, you know, this leads me into my point. Because like you, Mike, I don't have a lot of sours. And most of my sours are like also wrapped up in a, in a, a sweet nougat center. Because I'm kind of like, like for example, I didn't love the factory. But the stuff that came after the factory was amazing. So I'm not really that bitter about the factory. Um, so I, I don't hold this against village too much, but you kind of made this point earlier as well about how, like, at least with Chris Redfield, who is clearly the like star of this franchise now, uh, they aren't really interested in doing a proper survival horror game because it, it seems like it might just be like in, in Capcom's view. Anyway, it seems like they may think that's impossible. And, um, you know, I wish they were more interested in making a legit horror Resident Evil game. Uh, I would, you know, even like a spinoff series like Revelations, right? But like featuring new characters, basically what they did with Seven, <laughs> you know, just uh, actual horror, maybe more grounded. Uh, these are people that are not like commandos and have never encountered anything like this before. And they're caught up in this very scary situation. Uh, I think it's pretty clear they're going to continue with Rosemary Winters' story, but it's kind of implied at the end when they do that time jump and she's now a teenager, if not like in her early 20s. It's kind of ambiguous how old she is. She has superpowers or something because she says she could do things that Chris doesn't even know she can do. So Chris is still around. So I think she's going to be like the new face of this franchise. And it would be cool to see Jill and Chris have some sort of reunion. But whenever they do decide to kill Chris Redfield, whatever that looks like, it would be really cool to see that guy in an actual scary scenario again. It would be really cool to see what it took to catch him off guard now. Because like you said, Mike, that guy, he's just prepared for everything. But put him in a situation where he can't be. You know what I mean? Put him in a, yeah. a, a like, it's not that hard. You're, you have the plot. <laughs> like, you can, you can write a story in which Chris is caught off guard and has to, like, even though he's, like, capable, if he doesn't have any weapons and still has to, like, scrounge together resources, like, there you go. That's your formula right there. Right, that is the like that, that's a fundamental of writing, right? You you take a character and you put them in a situation where they are uncomfortable, where they aren't prepared. You challenge that character, you know. So you know, Chris Redfield is clearly, like you said, like I said earlier, uh, prepared for everything. So if that's part of his character, then 
you just have to subvert that. How do you, you know, how is Chris unprepared for something? Right. And it's just, it, it is just as easy as creating a scenario. Um, all you have to do is do it, do it like Metroid. After a Metroid game, you, you know, Samus leaves and has all of her abilities uh, and, you know, ends up at the next game and loses them all. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, a an ongoing joke because of that. But again, like the game isn't as enjoyable starting from 100% all the way through. It, it's more enjoyable to have that level of growth. And Resident Evil has always had that as well because you start out just completely against all odds, um, you know, surviving. And then through the second half of the game, it's more like you are a badass. Right. It's a power fantasy. Right. And and every Resident Evil game has always given you enough resources to get through the game. Um, and, and in some cases, you can destroy every monster in the game several times over, uh, despite, you know, again, ammo is limited and resource management, right? Um, but you can still do that. You, you, you can still kill every single zombie in the mansion in Resident Evil 1 in every version of that game. So it is absolutely possible to take these characters and put them back into that kind of situation that they were in in the classic games. Um, it just it, it takes the will to do so, and I think along with that, it, yeah, you're you're right. It would be wonderful to see a reunion with Jill and Chris. I I think that like we we know these main characters are out there um, because you know you play as Barry in Revelations too. It's the only game besides Resident Evil Gaiden where you get to play as Barry Burton. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, you know, he's a family man. He's probably not interested in, you know, being Chris Redfield. He's old now. So sure. Let, you know, let him retire. Um, but like, if that's like the case with Jill, with Barry, with Rebecca Chambers, with like all of the protagonists that we've had throughout the series that have just been kind of been waiting for their return, um, give them the proper send off that they need, I guess like if Jill Valentine, isn't going to be a resident evil character any further, then it would be nice to have some closure, you know, right. She retired, she retired. She's doing this now, whatever. It doesn't have to be a big cut scene. It doesn't have to be, you know, major in any specific way, but like, um, as simple as a note that you do find or have in your inventory or whatever, um, that, that is it. Cause I mean, even resident evil five was like, Jill's dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, she's not. Right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think I think some closure for these characters, if Capcom isn't interested in exploring their stories any further, like, please give us give us that. The other side is if you introduce a new character like Ethan, then Jill and Chris are the experts. So, like, Chris's role in this game is perfect. I always am an advocate for more horror in Resident Evil, and I feel like this game has it. it it's not as big as it was in 7. Um and certainly not as big as it was back in the day, but um, I think there's more, and, and I, I kind of hope Capcom's like you know holding that back a little bit, just like we've got more for you for Resident Evil Nine, and and maybe Resident Evil Nine will give us Jill Valentine. That's that's one thing I kind of hope for. Yeah, that'd be cool. I am ready to move on to the sauce if you are. Oh uh, yeah, let's do it. I I cannot think of too much else to complain about. Same. I, I feel like we've covered it, so let's uh, let's move on. All right, folks, welcome to The Sauce, where we give the game our final review. Mike, what do you want to rate it out of? 
how many flasks does it take to contain a baby? Ten? <laughs> yeah, I think I think ten baby flasks. Zero to ten baby flasks. Uh, and Mike, I'd like you to go first, if that's all right. Okay. Well, I think Resident Evil Village from me gets a a, a pretty fair like eight out of ten uh, baby flasks, and um, I, I feel like it is a very good game. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I, I I enjoy it quite a bit. I'm going to play it a lot. Um, I'm already looking forward to replaying it and unlocking more. And uh, the mercenaries mode is really fun. Um, I think it's a solid, solid game. And uh, while there's a few, like just again, most of the sour is nitpicking. Um, there's there's a it's kind of difficult to think about what I dislike about this game at this point. Um, I I I do enjoy it quite a lot. And it kind of is giving me um, hopeful thoughts about Resident Evil 9 and Revelations 3. So I have a confession to make. I don't actually know what my score is going to be yet. Usually when we go into this section, I have my notes written down and I have my score. But since this game is so fresh, uh, I don't know. And I've been also, on top of this, I've kind of been trying to more critically think about what is the scale in which I rate a game. You know, because I... I mean, it's not like we've ever written a rubric, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's more of a gut feeling. But I, I've the thing I've kind of come up with is like, basically, if I if I think a game is very, very good and I really, really liked it, it's going to earn at least an eight. And if I think it's in the loved it range that now we're talking in the nine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, because I feel like I give most games eight or nines just in general, because I, I, I like to write little notes on games even we don't talk about on the show just to sort of think about what I like and don't like in games. So I think right now I want to say I almost want to say nine, but the thing that's hanging me up is I'm still on that stupid like and fight. And I, I believe you when you say Mike, that after that like and fight, the harder difficulty mode is more doable, but I'm just thinking about how just today I started it and it was really not a lot of fun and it makes me a little bit nervous to carry on, but I'm still going to. It is the, it it will be the most difficult part of any run, and it and it's at the very beginning. On top of that, yeah. So I think as of right now, this recording, I'm gonna give Resident Evil Village an eight and a half out of ten baby flasks. Uh, if if that changes, I will let you know, Michael. But I think that sounds pretty good. Are are we going to prep for another apology time next week where (laughs) we both are like, we apologize, our scores are actually higher now? (laughs) I don't think we need to apologize for that uh, because that's just our our thinking evolving, you know? That's just us growing as gamers, which is what we all strive to do. And and growth is really what we should all strive for. And, and you know, eight and eight and a half, or that's nothing to sneeze at coming from no, that's not. a prestigious platform such as ours. Yes. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a number. And if you get an eight out of ten on a quiz or a test, that's you, you passed. You did a exactly. good job. And this is a very good game. I feel like like what the requirements for me, if this were to be like a ten out of ten game, um, I, 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 honestly, I just feel like like a, f- a few things in that uh like the that one puzzle <laughs> <laughs> right if it, if that did not annoy me as much um i didn't take a whole point out for that just for people listening like don't get mad at me 
I don't know. I mean, I I, I think I, like a little bit more horror. I, I I do think of this series as a horror franchise, not as an action franchise. So um, I I don't um, dislike the action tendencies. Um, but again, like I I I really do hope that we never go back to the days of Final uh, of, of Resident Evil Five or Six. Not that they're like terrible games. I played both of those games by myself, not co-op. So I already know that I've played the worst possible versions of them, and I should play them co-op. Um, but also just even with co-op, five and six really just don't have the kind of uh, appeal or the, the, the grab that almost every other game in the franchise has. Well, that is a great way to tease our next episode, Michael, because we are going to continue this Resident Evil train rolling, and next week we are talking exclusively Resident Evil multiplayer games. How exciting, yes. especially since Resident Evil Reverse is not launching until summer 2021. Right. Did you know that? I did not. I thought nope. it was going to be released with the game the same yeah. way that Resistance came out with Resident right. Evil 3 Remake. And I was also very staggered that, wait, they're not supporting Resident Evil Resistance anymore? Are they Find officially not? I, I, don't, I don't know if they've ever released an official statement, but I don't think there's been an update for a year. Okay, well, we'll talk about this next week, because, yeah, we're going to talk about Resident Evil multiplayer games. That's why we didn't talk about Reverse this time. Quote, almost a year. It's been a while. I, th- I, I just, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know what Capcom's doing with multiplayer. Like, I don't hate multiplayer, but, like, so, something's wrong. Let's, let's find out about it next week. All right. See you then, everybody. Bye. <laughs>